Hey there. Today, we are talking about sleep. In particular, things that you can do to avoid a bad night's sleep and things that you can do to have a good night of sleep. So here we go. Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, This is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. Today, we are continuing the Hallmarks of a Life Well-Lived series, and we're talking about sleep. Ah, sleep. We chase it. We crave it. And it manages to elude us. Now, the most fascinating book I've ever read on this topic is by Matthew Walker, a PhD in sleep science at the University of California, Berkeley. And in his book, he addresses the history of sleep and why we need it, but also the things that can happen when we're sleep-deprived. Now, you probably already know some of these things. For example, you're less productive, not as focused, more irritable, and less able to handle problems when sleep-deprived. But there's so much more. You can survive three weeks without food, only three days without water, And only 11 days without sleep. That's a third of a month, basically. We like to boast that we can do so much. Be more productive, function better, reason better, etc., etc. On very little sleep. Sometimes only four or five hours a night. And we brag about these things. And we have this culture where we... We brag about not needing that much sleep. But the truth of the matter is that everything is compromised when we're sleep deprived. Your ability to make decisions, your reaction time, especially important when driving, your choices on what to eat are affected by lack of sleep. Your mood Your weight is another thing affected by lack of sleep, both due to choice of foods and your body's ability to process and assimilate those nutrients. And usually when we're sleep deprived, we're not reaching for the high nutrient foods like cucumbers. We're reaching for high sugar foods to give us energy, like chocolate bars. So here are some things to know about sleep. First of all, it's a physiological need. 
As I mentioned, you couldn't survive more than 11 days without sleep. When you sleep, your body is in repair mode, including your brain. Your brain goes through successive cycles of rapid eye movement, or REM, and non-rapid eye movement, NREM, sleep cycles. And these cycles last for a different amount of time per cycle, and you can't make up for a missing part of the cycle. So for example, at the beginning of your sleep, the NREM sleep, I believe, is longer than the REM sleep. And as the night goes on, they swap, they switch in terms of amount of time of how long one lasts versus the other. And when you wake up for a period of time in in the night or too early in the morning, you've cut off a piece of that cycle and you can't really get it back. So you can go back to sleep, but you're not making up for lost cycles, if that makes sense. Now, What happens during sleep, right? During sleep, I mean, it's a really scary time if you think about it. You're completely knocked out. You don't know what's happening around you. You can't move. You can't protect yourself. You're kind of really vulnerable at that moment. But during sleep, your brain shrinks just enough to allow the cerebrospinal fluid to flow through your brain cells, and for your brain cells to exchange cellular trash, if you will, with the nutrients that it needs. So that cerebrospinal fluid sort of goes through the crevices of your brain and sort of washes through it. And the brain cells, the neurons, they are like every other cell, you know, they they produce excess materials that they don't need, you know, they get rid of toxins, they get rid of, you know, excess, whatever it is that they're making, and that they no longer need and that they need to get rid of. So that exchange happens while you're sleeping. So then what happens is once that exchange is made, with the cerebrospinal fluid, I bet you're thinking like, okay, well, so where does it go after the trash goes into the spinal fluid, right? So the spinal fluid empties into the lymph. And from the lymph, it empties into the circulatory system. And from there, it is excreted. I think this is the most fascinating part of what our body does. I don't know, there's so many, but I when I found out this, thing about how the brain actually gets cleaned out. It's like completely fascinating to me. Now your sleep wake cycle is tied to something called circadian rhythms. And if you've ever looked at circadian rhythms, it's basically our sleep wake cycle, right? So we wake up with the sun when it gets bright. And then we go to sleep when it gets dark. And Basically, that's a circadian rhythm. It's, you know, when it's light, it's time to wake up. And when it's dark, it's time to go to sleep. And more melatonin is produced in your body. And you start to feel tired. Now, the invention of the light bulb made it possible to stay up longer. And the invention of the computer, the iPad, the iPhone, 
etc., etc., made it almost impossible to fall asleep. But eventually, your body produces enough of the sleep-inducing chemical adenosine, and trying to stay up longer will only allow more of it to accumulate, and at some point, you will have to go to sleep to release the amount of adenosine that has built up inside your body. Going to sleep is the only way to alleviate that buildup. Now, your body temperature also fluctuates during the night. And as the night approaches, your body temperature drops, making you feel drowsy. Your warmest temperature occurs two hours before you awake, approximately. When you sleep, you make sense of the things and figure out solution to problems occurring in your life. My favorite story from Dr. Walker's book was the one of how Mendeleev spent three days trying to figure out the periodic table of elements, and finally, out of frustration, he went to sleep because, you know, he wasn't able to figure it out. And sure enough, it came to him in his sleep. So similarly, memory is also improved by obtaining a good night's rest. Now, sleep is important for learning. When you sleep, you make connections to previously learned information and assimilate and store it in ways that make it easily accessible later on when you need to use that information. But as you age, the ability to sleep, well, changes. If you're having trouble sleeping, some of the things to consider are blood sugar fluctuations, thyroid problems, psychological factors like things weighing on your mind. You know, one of the things you can do if you have a lot on your mind before you go to bed is just make a list. Have a pad of paper and a pen or a pencil on your nightstand beside your bed. And if something comes to you or wakes you up in the middle of the night, just write it down because then you won't be worried about trying to remember it and then it'll help you fall back asleep. If you're worried that you're going to forget something, you'll have a harder time going back to sleep. Other things that could keep you from sleeping well are medications or supplements that disrupt sleep, a poor sleep routine, caffeine or alcohol consumption too close to bedtime, and sleep disorders. Now, I've talked about this many, many times, that drinking alcohol as a nightcap can help get you to sleep, but will ultimately disrupt your sleep as the alcohol wears off in the middle of the night. I have not had a drink in nine years. And I can tell you that I do remember when I used to drink, it wasn't excessively by any stretch of the imagination. But even having one glass of wine, I would feel really, really tired and sleepy when it was time to go to sleep. But I would always wake up around two or three in the morning and my sleep would be disrupted because of it. Now, what about 
naps. Well, short naps early in the afternoon can be helpful and even restorative during the day. It may help you be more productive, and they may absolutely be necessary as we age. However, naps taken too late in the afternoon can actually hinder your ability to sleep at night. What about nutrition? Is that related to how well you sleep? Well, it turns out that what you eat does play a role in how well you sleep. We've known for quite some time that poor sleep affects what you eat. Like I mentioned earlier, if you don't sleep well at night, you're going to be craving sugar and chocolate and caffeine during the day to help you stay awake. But as of earlier this year, there's new research coming to light about how what you eat affects how well you sleep. It's best to eat your last meal at least three hours before going to bed. This gives your body time to digest your meal. That way you can be resting and repairing as opposed to digesting. It's good to have protein in that meal, that last meal, to keep blood sugar stable throughout the night and keep you satiated. The worst thing is when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're feeling like your blood sugar is too low and you can't fall back asleep afterwards. That's happened to me before. Or that you wake up feeling so hungry. But I'm one of those people, like, I will never wake up to go and actually, like, I, I, I will wake up. Let me rephrase that. I will wake up hungry sometimes, but I will never get up out of bed to go eat something in the middle of the night. That's just not something I do. So unfortunately, it does keep me up sometimes. And if you need something before bed, it's best to have a small snack rather than another big meal. Now, what are some foods that can help you sleep? Foods that increase the amino acid tryptophan? Think about how you feel after a big Thanksgiving meal, right? Full of tryptophan. So foods that increase the amino acid tryptophan are good choices and can be found in nuts, seeds, bananas, honey, eggs, and milk. Magnesium is a mineral and can also be helpful to getting restful sleep by making you more calm. Almonds and bananas are good sources of magnesium, as well as pumpkin seeds. Cherries may boost melatonin, while chamomile and lavender tea may also help with relaxation. What are some things not to do before bed? Well, I've mentioned a few of them. Don't drink alcohol, caffeine, or fill up on lots of water. Caffeine is obvious. Some of us are just not really good at processing caffeine. And you can find that out by doing a genetic test to see how well you process caffeine. Um, Alcohol I already mentioned. And what's the deal with water? Well, You want to stay hydrated during the day, but if you drink too much water right before bed, you're going to need to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and that can disrupt your sleep. Exercising too close to bedtime may get you fired up and prevent you from falling asleep as well. 
too much energy, too close to bed is not a good thing. And using electronics with all that blue light coming off of them may keep you from falling asleep as well. So what are some things that you can do to help you with sleep? Well, Matthew Walker had 12 tips for getting healthy sleep. Number one, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Exercise 30 minutes each day, at least two to three hours before bedtime. Avoid caffeine and nicotine. Nicotine is also a stimulant. I know we think about it as something that calms people down, especially people who are smokers, but actually nicotine is a stimulant. So best not to smoke right before bed. Best not to smoke at all. Avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. Avoid large meals and beverages before bed. Avoid medicines that delay or disrupt sleep patterns. Don't take naps after 3 p.m. Do something relaxing before bed. Reading a book is a better option than watching TV, though I've fallen asleep doing both. Take a hot bath or shower before bed. This always helps me to relax. There's something about taking a warm bath or a warm shower that somehow decreases your body temperature once you come out of the bath or the shower. So you're nice and warm and toasty when you're in the water, but when you come out, you get a little bit cooled off. And that drop in temperature can actually help you fall asleep. Not very intuitive, I know, but it works. Have a dark, cool, and gadget-free bedroom. Now, again, the darkness helps you to power down, if you will, your body, right? So the lack of light tells your body that it's time to fall asleep. And the coolness of the room also helps you to fall asleep. And gadget-free goes without saying. Have the right sunlight exposure during the day, of course. Wake up with the sun or make sure to get early morning sunlight exposure. And that can be hard during the winter months sometimes, but it's the, it's the exposure to the light, not actually the sun or the warmth that actually is what's affecting your sleep pattern. So if you just wake up and then go to the window and even just get that light in your eyes, it tells your body, it tells your circadian rhythm clock that it's time to wake up. And then if you do wake up in the middle of the night, don't lie in bed awake. Get up and do something relaxing. Again, reading a book, the dictionary, or a legal document may be good options depending on how you view those items, right? So a book, if you're reading something that's super exciting and you can't wait to see what the next thing is that happens, 
that's probably not going to be a good option because it's going to keep you awake. A legal document or the dictionary, now that might be enough to put you to sleep. Conversely, you might try a medical study that you find on PubMed because that might be enough to put you to sleep too. Okay, that's what I've got for you today. I hope that you found this helpful. And I would love to know what helps you go to sleep. So if you head over to my website and under podcasts, you will find the show notes to all of my podcast episodes, including this one. And if you want to, if you feel so inclined, I would love to know what helps you go to sleep or what keeps you from going to sleep or what keeps you up at night or what wakes you up at night. So like if you're one of those people that falls asleep easily, but then you wake up in the middle of the night and then you can't get back to bed, I want to know that too. I want to know what helps you if you do anything specific, like taking a warm bath or For example, sometimes people take melatonin. I've advised people to do that before, but you have to know how to take it because melatonin is a hormone. It's a supplement, but it works like a a hormone in our body. And it's something that you need to take at least 30 minutes before you plan on falling asleep. So if you do things like that, or if you take a tea or something else that helps you fall asleep, I'd really love to know what's helping you. So thanks for listening and I'll catch you back here in two weeks. As always, my friend, I hope that you have found this episode to be interesting and enlightening And I hope that you will help me out by doing two things. Number one, sharing this episode with others who would find it equally interesting, fun, and enlightening. And number two, rating and reviewing the podcast wherever it is that you listen to it so that uh, other people can find it too. You know, the rating and reviewing is really like giving someone a recommendation, right? You like to get recommendations about books and movies to watch and things like that and podcasts to listen to, and so do others. And if they see that you recommend the podcast and have something nice to say about it, then uh, they would also probably get something out of it and enjoy listening to it. So Anyways, I hope that you can do those two things for me. Share it with others and rate and review it. And I send you all my love and big hugs. Until next time.